right. All right. I need Kleenex or a washcloth or a towel or something. John, can you hook a brother up? All right. I'm ugly to begin with, but it's not running out. It gets to a whole new level of ugly. Oh, man, I'm so thankful. Well, welcome to church today. I'm glad that you're here, and uh, we've got a big week ahead of us. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. Might want to keep those closed for the next service. I'm getting softer in my old age, you know, and uh, anyhow, uh, I want to just say in advance to thank so many of you who are supporting and praying for and going to be serving in our Bible school this week. It's going to be mightily used of God. I believe that. And uh, we've got so many, so many volunteers that are helping and people are going to be leading games and people have decorated and people will be teaching lessons and cleaning up each night and serving snacks. And uh, I'll just go ahead and predict many of you this week are going to get worn out, but I hope it's a happy tired because you know that you've taken the energy God's given you and you've invested it in a good way uh, and in a good place. And I'm grateful for that. You know, Jesus loves kids. And uh, in in Luke 18, we read this, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And if we want to be a church that reflects the heart of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to be a church that cares about children. And uh, that's just the way it's going to have to be. And I believe this week we're going to make an attempt at that. How many of you would be willing to be inconvenienced a little bit so that children could come to know and grow Jesus Christ? All right, That's the heart we have to possess. The Apostle Paul once wrote in Philippians 4, he said, be careful for nothing but in everything. And here he kind of gives a, an approach to prayer. He says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And we've taken this whole month really to set aside for the purpose of thanking God for what he's done here. We want to praise God. We want to commune with God. We want to then collectively ask God, God, thank you for what you've done in, in the story you've written here, but would you please do it again. And uh, we're investing our time in the Word this month and various key passages that I believe can go a long way in helping us to stay grounded as a church to what it's all about. And we started on All-American Sunday, seeing how things begin. We use the analogy of how nations begin. And then uh, we talked last week about how to keep it going. And it's through walking through the doors that God opens. The key word there was opportunities. And, and today we're going to be talking about the value of investing in the lives of people of investing. And we have a text before us that's filled with some practical steps we can take if we hope to help others. And it's a passage that unfolds just before the crucifixion of Jesus. Others would not have known that, of course. Jesus surely would have. And uh, yet we're going to observe his focus on the needs of other people. So Matthew chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. If you're able to join me in standing, why don't you do that out of respect for the reading of God's word? All right, I almost got it back together. So much for the big beginning I had in mind, all right? But uh, Matthew 20 is where we're going to be. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. Amen. All right, let's have a good time in the Bible. You know, you have a good time when you decide to have a good time. So let's just decide we're going to get in the Bible. Whatever God says, we're going to believe it and we're going to do it. And uh, that'll make for a good service together. Uh, We're going to begin reading in verse 28. And I want to share prior to reading that that's kind of one verse before the paragraph we're studying. But I think it sets the stage in a sense that it shares with us uh, the heart of Jesus Christ. Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. 
Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord. And this next statement was really important. They said, Thou Son of David. In other words, they're using Old Testament messianic terms, if you would, that were basically saying through that, we believe you to be the promised one of God, the Messiah. We believe uh, you're the one that we were told will be coming. Verse 32, and Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open." So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. I want you to think of the question that Jesus asked these men. In the end of verse 32, he said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? He's saying in essence, what do you men need from me? What do you want from me? And uh, I want us to think on that together this morning. Our Father, thank you for uh, this service and the good that you've already done. And, and yet, Lord, uh, we know that you've got much left to do as we open the word. May your spirit open our eyes. May we see so that we can learn. May we learn so that we can obey. And God, we pray that you would take our obedience and use it for your glory. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In our economy, it is very important to start saving and investing for retirement at an early age. Those who think only of today will spend their money, while those who think of the future will invest their money. And most of us understand that the earlier you start investing, the better off it will be for you down the road. In fact, people who teach on the topic of financial investing speak of the Law of 72. And the Law of 72, in essence, teaches us that you can expect your amount invested to double in the course of 12 years, given a 6% rate of return. And if you understand that, that investments can double in the course of time, you then understand that the earlier you start investing, the better off you are. The fact of the matter is a lot of people that make a great amount of money, they don't understand these principles of investing till later in life. And, and many times it's the tortoise on the other end who's just diligent and steadfast in and, and investing. And in the long run, they can many times come out way ahead. Now, similarly, we know there's a need to invest in the lives of people. That's what Vacation Bible School is all about this week, investing in the lives of, of people. Furthermore, to use the principles of investing, we believe that the earlier you start investing in someone's life, the better, the greater opportunity for that growth to take place. And, and I want you to know that it is a joy to invest in people. But furthermore, we know that there's a great joy in knowing that they'll receive the investment and they can come to know God and go on to serve God. Now, financial investing, from an accounting point of view, if you're still with me, say amen. If financial investing, from a financial point of view, it, it's not a cost in that sense. But there's another sense in which there is a cost. 
You've got to take money from this moment and set it aside for that moment. So there's a cost in that sense that, that we have to consider. And I want you to know that when we invest in the lives of others, there's a cost that comes along with that as well. It'll cost us time and it'll cost us effort. It'll cost us resources. Listen, I love these kids we're going to reach out to this week, but this is not my first rodeo. And I'm going to tell you what these little monsters are going to do in our property next week. Okay, They're going to tear it up. They're going to mark up all the walls. They're going to scuff all the baseboards. They're going to stain our carpets. And I'm going to tell you, come Tuesday night already, it's going to smell like a bad gymnasium in here with all those little bodies in here sweating. And, and uh, that's what kids do. There, there's a cost. Furthermore, we know that it's not free to put on an event like this and to serve the hundreds of kids that we'll uh, be able to invest in. It's going to cost the bundle financially. We, we understand the fact that there's a cost associated with investing in people. But we believe that investing in people is a worthwhile endeavor and it is one that every Christian in every church should be involved in there's one model and example that's high above all the others when it comes to investing in the lives of people and that would be the model we find in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ God the Son demonstrated the greatest example we could ever ever follow. We saw in, in our opening verse, in verse 28, this testimony. And again, in Mark chapter 10, it's, it's said this way, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. You see, Jesus was not interested. What can I get from these people? Jesus was interested in this question. What can be done for these people? And, and Jesus did that which the Father had given Him to do. Now we see this throughout his life, throughout his ministry, but it really to me seems exceedingly poignant in this time in the journey of Jesus Christ. He's traveling from his home area near Capernaum and he's making his way to a hillside on the outskirts of Jerusalem where he'll be crucified on an old rugged cross. Just before getting to Bethany, which was really on the, on the greater outskirts of Jerusalem, he comes to the last major stop in his journey. So look at it this way. He's on his last major stop before the cross. He comes into this town that, that we call Jericho, and it, it is there with, with so much going on in his life that he sees people. I can only imagine what all was on his heart and his mind, yet what we see in the life of Jesus by way of his examples that he kept people the priority. And as we seek to learn from Jesus in this very important moment in his life, we're going to find some very important lessons for us to glean. And if you have your notes nearby, you'll want to get these down. I want us to learn from Jesus today that attention comes before action. Attention comes before action. So we see the schedule of Jesus was full, and, and even in this region, he'd already served people. In Jericho, he had served people. Yet in the midst of all that was going on, Matthew wrote these words of Jesus in our text, in verse 32. He said, and Jesus stood still. With all that was happening, with all that was on his mind, with all that was in front of him, the Bible says that Jesus stood still. You see, before any action could be taken, attention had to be given. And this fact is so simple, we could gloss right over it, but I think it's imperative that we note from Jesus, before he intervened in the lives of these men that we met in our text, he had to stand still. He had to give his attention. Lisa and I were talking the other night, more, more accurately, she was talking to me, all right? And uh, I was listening, and she was sharing with me a problem that she was kind of working on. And as she was sharing her problem, I was thinking, well, I know what I would do if I were you. And so I kind of interrupted her to uh, tell her, here's how you fix that problem. And she stopped me. She said, Steve, in that tone to let me know I was mildly in trouble, okay? And uh, Steve, I said, yeah. And she said, 
I didn't want you to fix it. I just wanted to tell you what was going on. She was saying, I just wanted your attention. I wanted to know you were with me in this. I wanted to know there was another person that kind of knew what was going on in my life. You know, so often we live life at such an incredible pace that we pass right by opportunities to show our care for others or giving to meet a need because we are just preoccupied. Many times we are results occupied to the neglect of being relationship oriented. I've had dozens of conversations with people who've said things like this. You know, kids today... They just stare at their phones all the time, all the time. They're looking at their phones, social media, and all of those things. And I would agree. I I think it is an epidemic, and studies are coming out that there are even addictive qualities to a a lot of these uh, social media type of things. And and I would agree that kids probably spend way too much time on those kinds of things. And I've also come to understand that it's, it's unusual these days to meet a young person who can carry on an intelligent conversation because they just haven't learned how to interact with human beings. It's all it's all digital and I would agree these kids spend too much time on on the internet but friends listen they're not in the room this morning you are so let me just go ahead and be blunt for a moment we're just as bad preoccupied with everything in the world our attention's given to people we haven't seen in years following the lives of others to the neglect of those that are right in front of us A news story came out and went viral a few weeks ago and told the story of a second grade teacher from Louisiana. Her name was Jen Beeson and she asked her second grade students to write an essay about an invention they wish had never been invented. One of her second grade students wrote this, I don't like the phone because my parents are on their phone every day. I hate my mom's phone, and I wish she never had one. You know what that is? That's a second grader saying, I wish my parents would look at me. That they would just stand still sometimes. That they would place their attention on my life. Listen, how sad is it that those around us would often share that we give more attention to Facebook or Twitter or YouTube than to the needs of those in their lives. And sometimes what we just need to do is slow down and give our attention so that when our actions come, they can be really helpful. I think it's telling that while Jesus was teaching his followers how to care for their spiritual needs around them, here's what he said in John 4. He said, start here, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white, all ready to harvest. Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to help others, if you want to invest in the lives of others, you're going to have to slow down enough so that your attention can be taken off of that which would preoccupy you and it can then be given to those who have needs. That's just how Jesus lived his life. Attention comes before action. But here's the second truth we learn from Jesus. Acceptance comes before affection, the act of giving love. Our acceptance comes before affection. Now let me explain this to you. At this moment, in so many ways, the popularity, humanly speaking, of Jesus was at an all-time high. Already in Jericho, he had helped a very rich man who had spiritual needs, a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And and we find in this passage that there's a huge crowd around him, yet as he traveled, we read this in verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard the sun, uh, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of God. 
Now, there's so much to love and appreciate about Jesus. As I read through this and looked at the comparative passages, it was, it was encouraging to me to see that Jesus made time for a guy that was loaded, flush with cash. And he took the same time and the same heart and the same interest in a couple beggars on the side of the road. You kind of glean from that, don't you, that Jesus had a heart for everybody. It wasn't about red, yellow, black, or white. It wasn't about this, this uh, economic situation or that. It was just about people that had needs. And, and so he makes time for these, these two blind men on the side of the road, no doubt begging. And, and we do learn in Mark's gospel that the name of one of these blind men was, was Bartimaeus. Before Jesus offered any tangible help, the Bible tells us this. He called them. What he was saying in that is, is listen, you, you need my attention, you've got it, and furthermore, when it comes to being a person, you, you have my acceptance. We can open dialogue, the, the conversation can begin. I'm, accept, I'm accepting of you just where you sit right now. And then he said this, what will ye that I shall do unto you? Friends, the idea was that their need, their need would be met because of the faith they had shown by calling Jesus the Son of God. Now, I want you to know something today, and parents take special note of this. There is an optimum environment for growth. And the optimum environment for growth is acceptance. That's what it is. It's acceptance. Sure, we may not approve of everything that everybody does. How many of you are doing something in your life right now you don't approve of? Aren't you glad God doesn't look at us and say, listen, I, I'm going to lovingly begin to work in your life as soon as I can uh, uh, approve of everything you do. We'd never get there. Acceptance comes before affection. You can't possibly show true affection until you have offered true acceptance. Paul once wrote in Philippians 2, he said, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The basis of a life that invests in others in a meaningful way is a willingness to lay aside strife and vainglory and embrace the concerns that, that uh, are our concerns in the lives of others. It's the heart that accepts people for who they are, where they are, and it shares a love that can lead to growth. Several weeks ago, I had a friend that came to this area on vacation, and as he was here, he attended a service on on, uh, on a Sunday, and later that week when he had some free time, he said, hey, let's get some coffee. And so we got some coffee, and we caught up, and we began to talk a lot. And, and not everybody says what he said, so don't think I'm boasting at all, but uh, he said, hey, Steve, Coastline is awesome. That was his assessment of our church. And, uh, of course, I thought in my heart, yeah, I, I've felt that way for a long time now, you know. But uh, he came, and he said, Coastline is awesome. I said, man, I appreciate that. What makes you say that? I'm always interested in why people say things they say, you know. And uh, he said, Steve, I travel a lot for work. I go to a lot of different churches. And he said, Coastline's really an amazing church. It's so diverse. He said, I looked around. You guys have every different ethnicity. You've got old people, young people, and people in between. He said, it's really unusual to find that in churches today. He said, in fact, most churches that believe like ours, frankly, it's just, it's just kind of an older crowd, and it's almost entirely a, a Caucasian crowd. And he said, I was really blessed to see a diverse group of, of people. When he said that, I was pleased. But let me tell you why I was pleased. Because he was testifying to the answer of prayers that have been made for 20 years that God would allow us to be a church that would reflect our community. It's not by accident. 
That's been by design. That's been by prayer. That's, that's been our hope. That, that's been the thought all along. God, would you help us be a church that reaches everybody? We don't have a target demographic. We don't have a type of person we're going after. We want to be like Jesus. If someone has a pulse, they're a candidate for, for our love in that sense. Coastline, I want to encourage you with this thought. Let's keep that going. It's not our default setting as human beings to be unified in any endeavor. It's not our default setting to look at people and, and, and to be willing to offer an acceptance, even if there's some things in their lives that we would not approve of. And so I want to encourage you to join me in hoping that we'll see that done again, that, that that'll be the way we move forward. Let's keep that up, church family. And that leads us to the third thought this morning. I want you to see that assistance comes before advancement. You know, the goal of every Christian is that we would yield our lives to God and live as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I've often said, if you really break the New Testament down, there's only one commandment in all of the New Testament for people of faith, and it's to die to self. And what that means is to completely uh, die to self, selfishness, self-interest, self-will, and become alive in Christ. That's also the same as the filling of the Spirit of God. It means that we live our lives in a way where we say, God, what is it that you'd have me to do? That's what I want to do. And so the goal of a Christian is to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And as followers of His, we have to follow His example, and that would include reaching out to others. Jesus came into this region in Luke 19. We read it this way. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save Jesus Christ. I, I've often corrected people over the years who want to talk about how they, how they found Jesus. None of us found Jesus. He came to us. He came to seek us out. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's everybody before they come to know Him. And so our prayer should be that God would use our lives to share His message of love with others. But it doesn't stop there. It's a beginning. In 2 Timothy in, uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, uh, Paul was writing to young Timothy and, and he said this. He said, The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Listen, Paul was saying, Timothy, your goal ultimately is to see people saved and matured to the point that they don't just know Jesus, but they truly follow Jesus so that they can share Jesus with others. Listen, when you invest in someone to the point that they go on to invest in others, that, that's what we'd call compounding interest in the financial world and in the spiritual world. It's this exponential growth, a, a difference that one life can make. When we touch the lives of these kids who can send a video testimony all these years later saying, hey, we're in other places around the world serving Jesus. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing lives change. We're, we're making a difference. And it's because you uh, took the time to tell us about Jesus and invest in us. You made a difference in, in us. And there's there's an exponential growth that comes to a person and a church that says, let's make sure that we uh, make sure that we're helping people as Jesus would have. As this narrative ends in verse 34, we read this and they followed him. They followed Jesus. They were advanced because of the work of Jesus in their lives. But we need to see the words that come before that great conclusion. Earlier in that verse, we read this. So Jesus had compassion on them. And touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. Friends, when the assistance came, the advancement followed. What I see in this is a principle that Jesus doesn't work in a performance-based kind of a way. 
He doesn't say things like, when you get your life in order, when you get your theological ducks in a row, when you agree with me on all the nuances, when you do it just the way I do it, then I'm going to be really excited to get involved in your life and, and to help you and, and to serve you. No, I want you to know that Jesus began that work, the assistance came, and then they followed him. The advancement is what followed. There are so many in our world today who know that they have a need. They just don't know the solution to their problem. And as we invest in their lives, we, we get then to share the good news of Jesus. They can follow Jesus as we invest in their lives. And assistance comes before advancement. It is good to invite people to Jesus. It is good to invite people to church. But it is better to invest in people and then invite people Get involved in their life, care for them, and you'll see that the advancement will follow. I love that our text tells us that Jesus had compassion on them, and we know that this compassion of Jesus was not just some passing thing. Many people speak of being touched, but Jesus was far more than just touched emotionally. He was moved by way of this compassion. One verse that really helps us to see the heart of Jesus in relation to this matter of compassion is Matthew 9 where the Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus saw the need, he took the lead, he was moved to do something about what he felt in his heart. And that is the heart that we are to have. Jude teaches us that it's of some that have compassion making a difference. And friends, you'd absolutely have to be sleepwalking through life to not take note of the fact that at every turn in the journey of our life, there are people like the ones we meet in this text sitting on the side of the road. They may not be blind physically. They may not be begging, uh, begging physically, but they're people who have needs. A and the Lord teaches us that our life's purpose is to intersect with their life, to help them. Friends, families are struggling and young people are languishing and if you deny God you lose any sense of a moral compass and, and and you drift as a society and I believe we're in a societal drift at this moment and we're often quick to talk about what's wrong in our world but we need more people who would be willing to step up and invest in the lives of others to be a part of the solution rather than just another talking head commentator on the problems I'm not saying we need to bury our heads in the sands and be naive to what's going on, but some of us, we watch far more news than any one person needs to watch. And we get crabby, and we view everybody who's a little bit different than us as the enemy. They are not. They're someone that Jesus loves. And he left us here on this earth for a reason, to share his love with others. People that don't know Jesus need to hear the gospel. Those that have heard the gospel need an opportunity to grow. A difference can be made. And friends, over the years, we've seen those times when we've worked as a church family and we've stepped up and we've invested and we've seen the change that can be made in that way. Right now, today, as I stand behind this, this sacred desk and I seek to teach the Word of God to you, you need to know we've got 70 missionaries around the world that, uh, based on where they are on the timeline, they've either already preached or they're getting ready to preach. Uh, these are people in whom we've, we've invested. Uh, recently, we started Rock Hill Baptist Church. They're going to meet today. The Word will be preached. They're the result of, of an investment. We have ministries and facilities here that are used every day to serve others. It's, it's the result of investment in Coastline. My prayer is that you would join me in praying that God through us would do it again 
I'm saying what we need to do is keep going and keep giving and keep praying and keep serving so that others can be saved and blessed and helped and matured in the faith. That's God's design for our lives and our collective service for Him through the local church. God was speaking to Abraham one time and in Genesis 12 He said this, Abraham, I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You know what God was saying there? Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but it's not about you. It's about my will. And my will is that those who have yet to know my blessing, that they would come to know my blessing. And so, Abraham, I want you to take the blessings that I've given to you, and I want you to become a a pass-through. I want you to become a conduit. I want you to become a channel. I want to dump my blessings into into your life because you've been a man of of faith. I believe I can trust you with the good I'll bring your way so that you'll pass it on. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to enjoy my blessing, but I want you to share that with others. Coastline, I want you to know, I know we're not a perfect church, and you all know we don't have a perfect pastor here at Coastline Baptist Church. I understand that, but I I'm telling you, in the span of our time together, we've seen a good God do a great work, and I'm thankful for who He is and for what He has done. We've been blessed. And I think it's good for us in this milestone moment in our journey to say, God, help us to be good stewards of your blessings. Help us to use our lives, our influence our financial resources. As a church, Lord, help us to use our facilities in the most wise way possible. Help us, to give, help us to give our property over to kids who are going to come in and mess it all up this week. Help us, God, to give to missionaries in other places around the world, some of whom we, we're not going to see again for years. Maybe some of them not until heaven, but God, help us to have that kind of heart that says, I want to be an investor of the spiritual kind. That's the heart we need. Coastline, I want to tell you something today. Let me tell you what my life is. It's the sum total of those who've invested in me. That's what it is. It's the sum total of those who've invested in me. I'm thinking of a mom and teachers and coaches and friends and others who've invested in me. How shallow of me it would be to live a selfish, self-centered life. And Coastline, let me tell you what our church is. It's the sum total of those who've made investments for the Lord here. Before we got started, there were others that made investments so that our church could could begin. We're grateful for that. Uh, Maybe uh, I could speak today of, of investments made by people like you. Taught a class on the Christ Centered Home last week on Thursday night and Went around the room and some people said, this is my second time at Coastline. Some said, I've been here 12 years or 17 years or, or, or whatever. But it doesn't matter to me where you come in on this journey of Coastline. Uh, many of you have made significant investments by the way you've lived your life that have touched others. And as we've paid it forward, God has used us to help. And and we're now a part of the story that others are telling. Just like I'm looking back on those who've invested in my life and those who've invested in Coastline. Someday down the line, somebody's going to be able to look back. And whether it's articulated verbally or not, the record in heaven will indicate that it was your time. It was your love. It was your investment. It was your gift. it It was what you did that helped someone go somewhere they would not have gone were it not for your influence in their lives. And our prayer today must be, Lord, do it again. 
God, thank you for video testimonies we can hear like the ones we heard today. But God, help us in the future to be able to have more, be able to honestly testify that you did a great work in their lives in this place. God, would you do it again? Friends, I want to encourage you in joining me in that kind of a life that invests in other people. Our Father, we're grateful today that you are a God of love, a God that sees the needs that people have, a God that stops in His tracks to give that attention. Lord, we're grateful that with that attention comes action. We're thankful that with that acceptance comes affection. We're thankful that with Your assistance comes advancement. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't study this passage just as historians, but God, I pray that You would help us to be diligent to live out what we learn in this passage. Help us, we pray. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. Maybe you're here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, I think there was something in the life of Jesus that was good for me to see today. There was a lesson, there was a verse, there was a statement, there was a principle, but there was something good in the life of Jesus for me to see today. I think there was value in my presence in this time in the Word. Are there those like that by the testimony? Just a briefly raised hand. Pastor, there was something for me in that passage. Wonderful, thank you. You may put your hands down. Now, friends, we focused on Jesus because He's the center of it all. But I want us to think again of the two blind men. They had an incurable situation. They were helplessly, hopelessly lost to their condition. And what they found is a gracious Savior who would respond to their cry. And when they turned to Jesus in faith, it not only healed their physical problem, the Bible says they followed Him. It was all because of faith. Maybe you're here today and in your heart you're not sure if you're a true follower of Jesus or not. Let me ask you this way. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if you were to die that you'd spend forever in heaven with God, that your sins are forgiven. Well, friends, the reality of the situation is that is something you can know. In 1 John 5 and verse 13, the Bible tells us that we can know that we can know. The Bible says this isn't something we have to wonder about or just hope about, that we can know that we have eternal life. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, as you think of all these hands that have been raised and as you pray for people, as you close the service and throughout the week, you could think of me. That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. You can pray for me about that. Are there those this morning about testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. Pastor, you could pray for me. Perhaps there are other spiritual needs in your life. You've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized. Or God has put a desire in your heart to become a, a part of the work of investing in people that we're doing here at Coastline. You want to become a part of that. I'd encourage you to follow Him. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing, please? Our heads are still bowed in a spirit of prayer. Our prayer today, in essence, Coastline, if this is your church home... Our prayer today is this, God, thank you, and would you please do it again? God, thank you for what you've done, for the lives that have been touched, for the souls that have been saved, for the testimonies like the ones we've heard today, but God, would you please do it again? Maybe it'd be good to say, God, this vacation Bible school this week, help some kids to get saved and start on a journey that'll one day lead them to live lives of profound faith for your glory. Spend that time in prayer. If there's a spiritual need in your life, I'll be here in the front with others that serve with us. We'd love to pray with you or, or help you. 
As Ryan begins to sing, that'll let us know it's our time of prayer. If you'd like to pray in the front, you may do that. But as Ryan begins to sing, let's make sure that we take this time to go to the Lord in prayer, saying, God, thank you. Would you please do it again?